everyone, welcome back to another episode of But Why Though the Podcast, the podcast where every week we talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Jose and Grant for being our newest patrons. Thank you so much for all of your support. And if you're listening right now and want to support us, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. It is the easiest way to show your support and it helps people find us. But if you want to give a little more, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butwhythopc. There you get access to exclusive content just for you. And as always, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of But Why Though the Podcast, and today we are talking about Keanu Reeves being like the most Keanu Reeves mm. in the Matrix. <laughs> As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. That was bad. I know, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I know Kung Fu. You couldn't even go with the main line, I know Kung Fu. Whoa. Well, I'm going to leave this in, Matt. Say hi. <laughs> hi. Hello. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a super special guest today, Carolyn from So Here's What, what Happens. Happens. What's up? I don't know what I was just going to say. I was just going to say what happened. <laughs> I, know this from. I know Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> now that we've effectively started with some derailment, we are here to talk about The Matrix in all of its glory. And Matt is going to be leading us through the episode. Yes, yeah, so obviously I sound sick because I am sick. We went to South By. <laughs> South By, baby. That's all I know. Go hear it. There you go. I also learned if you stop drinking, you get sick. So just keep drinking through everything you do. All right, so I'll start the Obviously I sound sick because I am sick. <laughs> Is that how that works? Yes. You sound, you sound sick when you are sick? Yes. All right, so I'll start this off with kind of an interesting question of have you actually seen all three of the movies and can you actually remember anything from the second or third movie because i'm assuming all of you have seen the first one yes to both yeah <laughs> um uh. yeah carolyn you go first um yes i've seen all three movies uh the first one multiple times the second and third probably two times each maybe i do remember what happened in the second and third films but like bits and pieces like specific scenes yeah, like, mm-hmm. uh, I always remember the scene, um, the highway scene, the highway chase sequence in part two. I always remember that, the one with the, you know, the albino twins. I always remember that scene mm. that, um, I always remember the scene with, uh, Oive, uh, Lord, the one where she has on, like, the, the spandex, not the spandex, the latex outfit. Oh my gosh, I'm drawing, I'm looking at the, <laughs> Lord Jesus. Like, yeah, I remember parts. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I remember the attacking Zion where all of the sentinels come through. Yeah. I think your answer is probably great of why I asked. I remember specific scenes. Yes. <laughs> Ask me the plots. I remember specific scenes, but not the whole plot. <laughs> 
I'm going to chime in and say that I have seen all three. I've seen the first one way too many times. I don't even have a count on that. And I've seen the second and third one multiple times, I think. But I also couldn't differentiate what was the second and what was the third. Because when we were talking about doing this episode, I was like, oh, yeah, the twins. The twins were in the third one. They were cool. But no, they were in the second one. And I do remember the highway scene. I remember the highway scene, and I remember the fight in the rain from the third Yes, one? that's the one where he's fighting with <laughs> all the Smiths. Yes. Yes, yeah. So I remember those. I remember those two scenes. I know jack crap about the plots <laughs> of the last two, other than that Zion, that Zion gets attacked, but I think that's cheating because it just came to my memory because Carolyn yes. mentioned it. <laughs> Adrian, what do you got for us? Uh, yeah, I've seen all the movies. Um, I probably watched the third one a lot. Like I've watched the first one more, but um, kind of making sure I, like I was differentiating the correct <laughs> movies correctly. Um, I mean, I remember basically all of the second movie because I really like the second one. I like the twins. I like when he's fighting in like the castle thing. Then he goes all Superman mm-hmm. and saves her at the end. Like I, I like that one. The, the whole thing with the Frenchman. I like all that stuff. Uh, the keymaker stuff. I like all that stuff. The third one, I mean, I kind of just, if I went back to watch it again, like if you told me, hey, go watch Matrix Revolution, I would probably just skip to the end and watch <laughs> the rain yeah, fight yeah, scene yeah. because all the other stuff with like Bane and like him going to like the Oracle thing and getting yeah. jacked in there. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't care too much about all that. I remember the keymaker too. Point. But um, I really like. Yeah, I, I really like the second one. Like, it's not as good as the first, but it's also not the third. <laughs> so, um, I probably remember that one more than I thought I did before we, because we talked about this last night, and I couldn't remember like which one was which. But now that I differentiated them in my head, the second one is definitely uh, lots of good, lots of good scenes in that one. Um, about the same. Obviously, I've seen the first one multiple times. I've only seen the second and third one once a piece, and I remember sneaking into the movies after watching. I think it was. I don't remember what movie it was, like Bad Boys 2, and then going to it. But, yeah, I couldn't remember much. I know a few fight scenes. Don't remember, though. But that, might, that might have been the most early 2000s thing anyone has said in our podcast. What? I do agree. <laughs> <laughs> I stuck out a Bad Boys to go see one of the Matrix movies. I love it. <laughs> but, what? Um, there might be a reason why we can't, we can't differentiate between these movies. But before we get to there, let's just go with a quick synopsis of the movie. Obviously, this is a science fiction film franchise. There's about uh, three movies. It's basically a franchise that follows a group of heroes who fight a war against machine overlords that enslaved humanity in a VR or Matrix system. So I would never describe the Matrix like that, but I guess that's right. That's that's what it is. (laughs) Who's the nicest thing to read? I know. That was literally, huh? Why are we missing? I mean, that's that's one through three. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're trying to do. It's not about a group of heroes. It's about, it's about the one. Exactly. It's about Keanu Reeves. Okay, my bad. About a minus a group. It follows a hero who fights against a <laughs> fights a war against machine overlord. He wouldn't. He wouldn't have got to the thing without Trinity in the third mm-hmm. movie. I think it needs a group. And Morpheus played Zion quite a lot. Zion got destroyed with all the, all the other people. I'm with you, man. It's, it's true. A it's a group. It's a group effort. I mean, this is no How You Train Your Dragon group, but I mean, it's a group. (laughs) You just need to say Keanu Reeves like ten times in the synopsis. You couldn't even remember that he does kung fu. (laughs) Whatever, I do know 
Fun fact time. I do know that Keanu Reeves actually got black belts because of this movie, and it's the reason he's still in really good yes. shape today because he kept on all the martial yes. arts training yes. after this movie. Which we will so. get to. So let's get a little quick background films. The Matrix films take place from 1999 to 2003. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's all, such a short yeah, lifespan. They're all based on a philosophical question uh, from a 17th century French philosopher and mathematician, uh, Rene Descartes. Descartes? Rene Descartes. Descartes. Basically, what is real or reality? Um, obviously, we have the Athenian philosopher Plato, which also plays which a role in the core of these movies, which we'll go into later. But that's basically what these are based on. And Kate's going to talk a whole bunch of it because this is religious studies stuff. Yes. Um, there are three uh, main films created by the Wachatskis. Yeah. Can you spell that? Mm-hmm. Wachatskis. Wachatskis. And we'll go through the main cast, but there's only four people, so I guess a trio if it makes you feel better. You have Thomas Anderson, Neo the One, Keanu Reeves. Morpheus by Lawrence Fishburne. Hold on. Thomas Anderson, Neo, the one, Keanu Reeves. Played. Like, that's yep. Just, that's how it works. When you say it like that, just, just, just listen to that. It sounds like one of those fighters who's rebranded himself like four different times. I mean, so that sounds about what happens, I feel. <laughs> um, you have Morpheus, uh, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Trinity, played by Carrie Ann Moss. And then Agent Smith, played by Hugo mm-hmm. Weaving. And so, to get down to these movies, let's go with some of the ratings. Matrix uh, from 1999 had an 88 on Rotten Tomatoes, 8.7 IMDb, 73 on Metacritic. And this movie actually won, what, 4 for 4 on Oscars. And it, oh, wow. And it won 37 other awards. So, it won 4 Oscars for Best Sound, Best Special, Best Effects Sound, Best Effects Visuals, and Best Film Editing. That's cool because like it essentially like swept the genre categories. Like those are the categories that like the Oscars always throw genre films into. Yeah, and this is going up against uh, Star Wars this year. Oh well, yeah, like, that's oh, true. Man, okay. Fan- <laughs> Dang, and that's actually a big accomplishment. Yeah. That's also, it. an eighty-eight seems really low. Hmm. An eighty-eight seems really low. Yeah, it was. These are pretty low, surprisingly, considering IMDb has this as eighteenth highest rated movie. Yeah, I think. I, I don't know. How no, the reason it was rated so low at that time, if you read a lot of critics' reviews, a lot of them, they like the whole action concept, but they thought that the whole philosophical concept juxtaposed with action was like, it didn't work. Because, like, some, like, I think it was like Robert Ebert thought that they paid too much attention to the action in, like, the third act of the film. So oh. that's why a lot of people either mm-hmm. really like the action and thing, but they didn't, they thought the concept didn't mesh. But we all know it became a cult, a cult classic, like, following afterwards and fans enjoyed it if those critics don't like neo wrapping a rope around his hand and stopping a goddamn helicopter <laughs> or lawrence fishburne jumping out of a building they can i mean shove it <laughs> go back into the goddamn uh, yeah, so it's nominated for 49 other awards and here's where we get to the fun part where why we might get confused so we have the matrix reloaded which came out in 2003 has a 7300 mm-hmm. rotten tomatoes 7.3 on imdb 62 on Metacritic. It actually won eight awards and was nominated for 32 other ones, surprisingly. And then you have the fun part of The Matrix Revolution, the third one, which came out apparently six months later, also in 2003. Why? (laughs) And that one has a 36 on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.7 IMDb, 47 Metacritic. But apparently it won four awards and was nominated for 32 others. So, like, were the Oscars, like, for best film editing, The Matrix Reloaded, and The Matrix Revolution... (laughs) I don't think either one of these got nominated for an Oscar. For That's, one fair. I looked, looked That's fair. I'm just 
Wait. Oh, wait. So were they in like the same war, the same award season? So like they have to be that I know of. One came out in like May, and I believe the other one in November. I want to see like these tickets because of one one eight and one 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 four. Like technically, the Matrix just like dominated that award thing. I don't know. But that is definitely the rarity of why we probably get confused because they are back to back. As far as I know, that's like the that is definitely the quickest turnaround I can think of for a movie. Yeah, because well, actually, what happened is I think they filmed it. It was one movie that they broke up into two, so that's what happened. It was actually supposed to be one film and they broke it up into two films because they they thought it would have been too long, you know. Which which is kind of funny because like no, we have films running at three hours long and we're willing to stay in cinemas. But at that time, that is nineteen ninety nine, two thousand to two thousand and three. For, for like the cinema going experience, like an hour and forty five minutes seemed like forever in an action in in the cinema, right? Because I think the longest film predating that, I I stand corrected if I'm wrong, would have been Titanic. So like um so like at that time they were like split it up into two films. Now we can stay in the cinema for like three hours plus <laughs> and remain on phase. Well, I think it's also weird though you mentioned that because I believe that's the same time frame when War of the Rings first comes out. If not through those times. Uh, let me see. Let me look at the release date because the Matrix. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at Lord of the Rings right now. But I also think it's different because Lord of the Rings are like adapted from yes. books, and it's not and just action. No, that is completely fair. So I. But I just know, like, for a long time of sitting in the theater, like we do have the Lord of the Rings that I believe come out during yeah. this time. Yeah. I think the difference though might be is I think. You know, whether it's justified or not, I do think a lot of people just see The Matrix as mm-hmm. action movie. Sure. And so I think it's it's a lot it's a lot harder to justify watching an action movie that is yeah. three hours long than it is to watch like a high fan. But this was back then, right? Long. Yeah. Like those are like when it comes to building. Yeah, because back yeah. then like we would have called those films like epics because what the um because um Crouching Tiger Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which came out after, which had the same fight choreographer, like that's considered an epic. Like back then, we mm-hmm. used to consider like films like that were like hour and forty five minutes to two hours and longer to be epics, right? And like that's our that yeah. was our frame of mind back then. Like for now, um, so like Lord of the Rings would have been a it was considered a fat a fantasy epic back in that time too, right? So like once you added the yeah. word epic, you knew it was going to be long, so you prepared yourself for it. Nice. And then basically, they're done. That's it. <laughs> um, they did you have co- the Animatrix in there. The Animatrix counts. Well, if you'd let me get there, they're technically in okay. other media for direct, uh, okay. direct to okay. video I'm because they saying. don't actually get released in a movie theater. Whatever, man. Thank you for mentioning Animat- um, Animatrix because I was trying to remember because I was I knew that I watched an anim- uh, animated film about that, and I remember we watched it by my friend, and like that thing blew my mind away. Like it tripped me out completely. It was like. You know, this is like the period. The thing about the Matrix is it started. It made people start to question reality, and I think the um the the animated animated film actually made me question reality more than the film itself. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, like uh, Carolyn's talking about, we do have in two thousand one we have actually the Matrix Revisit, where they did a documentary of the making of the Matrix, and then you have the 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 Animatrix, which is basically American Japanese animated anthology of nine short films based on the Matrix trilogy, would actually won two awards, including an Annie and four other nominations. They actually had comic book series and comic books. Uh, there's three Matrix comic series that ran from 1999-2003. Uh, they're basically their webcomics, three series of webcomics, and then they had two volumes coming out from Matrix, the comic volumes, 2003-2004. They actually had three major video games, Enter the Matrix in 2003, and actually after we were talking about this last night of playing, this was the game that I actually played. 
Enter the Matrix, and this game <laughs> sucked. And basically, the Metacritic scores had a 63 on GameCube, 53 on PC, 62 on PlayStation 2, and a 65 on Xbox. The game was terrible and full That's of bugs. That's rough. And then basically, I think of reading some of the reviews from old things. This is like one of the first games that came out unfinished, is what some people were saying. Because it was so yeah. rushed out. I mean, it played fine like when it wasn't terrible, but like when it was buggy, it was hella buggy. Yeah. Like the but the first mission is like you get to be Neo in a video game like in con like in theory like this game should have been amazing yeah like you just get to go fight a bunch of people as Neo like that should be easy but I think they just mm. rushed it out like like you were saying Matt yeah to to get it in that same time frame and then you have Matrix the Matrix Path of Neo in two thousand and five I actually did not play this one it had sixty four on PC sixty nine on PS two seventy three on Xbox. Um, I, I think this was kind of like after the ex, after the phase of the Matrix was kind of wearing off, and then they actually had an MMORPG, The Matrix Online, that ran from 2005 to 2009. It had a 69 on PC. I want them to like relaunch that because I would love to play that. So the problem with this is they launched it right at, basically in peak WoW. <laughs> WoW oh. comes basically this is about the time frame when there's so many MMOs come out. Um, WoW basically hits 2004 and takes off. Um, I think War of the Rings takes off in this time as well. Uh, so I think there was a few others that came out, but there was just so many that kind of start coming out that this one kind of. So what uh, I'm hearing is that they should relaunch it and let me go into the Matrix as a character that I create myself. Sure. <laughs> yes. Adrian, did did you ever see? I know you've probably heard of this one. I don't know if you actually. Um, I didn't even know this existed. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know this existed because at this time I'm playing Star Wars Galaxies at this time. Yep, that's during this time out. frame. So like, this is like like Matt was saying, like this is like EverQuest Two, Star Wars <laughs> Galaxies, you know, World of Warcraft is getting off the ground. So I'm surprised it even lasted four years. Yeah, I basically really that was one of the problems they said with it. Basically, they released it in basically peak MMORPG time, and you were kind of late. So, saying all that, um, that was basically all the media we had for them. Pretty simple. So, let's get into why we're here. Basically, the but why those. And, obviously, the first one to talk about, as we are talking about all, is a successful franchise. And so, there are three movies. They won 53 awards, 113 nominations. And here's where the fun part, where we always talk about my box office thing. It's actually the four, 40th highest grossing franchise worldwide, with $1.63 billion made. With... Which may not seem that impressive, but you consider there's A, there's only three films. They were all made within a four-year span, and they actually haven't made a film since 2003. So if anybody knows about inflation, of how much movie has gone up from then. And then also the fact that they were rated R. It was a rated R franchise. Yeah. So basically, when looking at the top 40 ahead of them... They're the one that had like the most recent, like or earliest, like recent release. So like pe- franchises that are keep going up. One they've also been around, so they've had a lot more movies. Or basically like Twilight and The Dark Knight came out. Their last movies were in 2012. Everything else has had something like maybe last year has something next year, the year before. So they're still releasing movies. So the fact that it's pretty high. Um, Matrix Reloaded was the highest grossing R-rated movie until Deadpool. Wow. Deadpool actually only made forty million more than that movie, and that's that's actually seen. not a lot with inflation. Yeah, it actually doesn't come close with inflation. So, and as far as R-rated franchises, only Alien, Terminator are actually higher. So, Damn. Yeah, that's you, actually really good. I forget. I forget to factor in. We get so few R movies now 
Like, I, I forget to factor in ratings. Yeah. No, it's, like I said, it's pretty crazy with, like, because, like I said, I was looking at this, and I was like, wow, this actually made a lot of money. And then when you adjust it, and you look at worldwide, and I'm like, oh, wow, there's only three films. It only lasted four years, you know, because I remember we had the joke when we did Iron Man that my ticket in 2008 was $5 for a movie ticket. This is 2003. <laughs> yeah. So. Damn. Yeah, it okay. actually did pretty well. And then, uh, Adrian, if you want to talk about some other fun facts from the Matrix we wrote. Oh, yeah. Um, just just kind of looking here. Like, I know that, because we carefully talked earlier, like, how these are both filmed at one time. And, like, while the second and third movie might not be the best, I did find a fun fact that after Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Evolution, they arranged to have 97% of the set materials recycled. And according to this article I read, in like 11,000 tons of concrete, steel, and lumber um, was all recycled. They sent it to like Mexico and like other countries to build homes and stuff. So even if the third movie is god-awful, some good stuff did come out of it. That's also just like, it's actually sad if you think about it in perspective, how many massive movie sets just Wasted. get thrown away. Yeah. It's actually, like, it's a cool fact, but then it's, like, a sad fact, because I'm thinking about, like, these massive assets that get built, and it's just like, oh, nobody gets to reuse this stuff. I mean, so that's what we like... always think about when they send out all the t-shirts for sports teams. Like, apparently oh. people think that the Buffalo Bills are the greatest franchise in history. <laughs> <laughs> because when they, make, the when they make sports teams for the game, they make merchandise for both teams winning yep. the Super Bowl. And then they just basically donate one of them to basically, I think it's mostly in Africa, a lot of those t-shirts, and then the other ones go to the actual mm-hmm. team that won. That's yeah, just I don't so know how accurate weird. this article I mean, this is like a 2006 article, and I'll put it in the show notes so our patrons can, can check it out. But it also says, like, the makers of The Day After Tomorrow paid $200,000 to plant trees and other s- steps to offset the estimated 10,000 tons of carbon, carbon dioxide emissions caused by vehicles generators and other machinery used during its production. I, I would believe yeah. that. That's actually... Because, like, I know for um, the Matrix Reloaded, like, the, the chase se- the highway chase sequence, like, that, they actually built that highway. Right? They actually built oh, it from wow. scratch. Yeah, they built I it from scratch. Because um, I think it was one of the most expensive um, sets built, because there was that one, and I, I, like, it just popped in my head to see the airport, you know, the one with Tom that movie with Tom Hanks mm-hmm. like that they built like Steven Spielberg's they, their crew built that airport for, to film that scene so like, when you talk about the amount of money that they spend to build sets it's ridiculous wow yep. can you imagine yeah. how much they spend now I mean we talk about movie yeah. films now I'm like getting a little sad here because I'm just like we're really well, CG like the the advent of wow. CGI and VFX has really improved like the spending costs for um for films. That's but fair. then you yeah. think about the other things that they spend money on too, like transportation to sets and and all that kind of stuff, and like power and powering yeah. the same I'll, machines that do the, that create the VFX. Like that's a lot of electricity and that kind yeah. of stuff. So. I really doubt 11,000 tons of concrete, steel, and lumber went into the making of Justice League. <laughs> Jade. Jade. They couldn't even find real fields. So I think I, I want to I say we might be doing better, hopefully, with CGI. And, you know, we couldn't even find 
Oh, field, God. so I think we're think we're doing okay. We almost. I think this is our first Justice League, uh, Justice League uh, jab <laughs> this year. Congrats, hey, it's, it's relevant. It's relevant. It is. It <laughs> so moving on to the next, but why though? Why kind of why we're all here and why we all remember and we're talking about this is basically the actual the movie The Matrix in, in 1999. Kind of like when we did Jurassic Park. Um, the first one was groundbreaking, and the rest we kind of forget, or we know they exist. And same thing with The Matrix. The first one was groundbreaking, and the rest one we can't think. So, as I said earlier, IMDb has this as 18th highest rated movie. It's on numerous top sci-fi movie lists, which are kind of weird, by the way, when I started looking at lists, because what the definition of sci-fi is, and what people count and don't count, throws off the list weird. Yeah, it's a sub-genre, Matt. No, sci-fi is a top genre, but it can't yeah, be Yeah, because it's also considered, The Matrix is also considered cyberpunk, right? So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was added to the National Film Registry in 2012, and basically this is where Kate and Carolyn get to talk all about the great stuff. Basically, it had groundbreaking sound and visual effects for the use of slow motion camera and popularized, or popularized what is known as bullet time. And then fighting yeah. technique of wire yeah. food. Yes. Now you two I have mean, fun with that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you can, you can take, you, you can start with it, Carolyn, because I know that this is one of the main reasons why you messaged me like an hour before we started recording, saying, "Hey, you got a spot." So I'll let okay. you start it. So, uh, so the fight choreography for the Matrix it was done by Yun Wu Ping, who was the director for um, Drunken Master. Snakes and Eagles Claw, and also did the action choreography for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, starring Michelle Yeoh. What up? Um, so, but it was his film, uh, Fist of Legends, starring Jet Li, which actually inspired the Wachowskis to hire him on as the main fight choreographer for The Matrix. And the uh, reading, I knew a little bit about the background for the training schedule, but I just read up on it before the before we began recording. So, like everyone knows, like. Keanu Reeves, like, he became, like, like really entrenched in martial arts after The Matrix. And one thing I've always found interesting, and I didn't even know, but I always figured when I watched the films, I always thought, like, their body shit, their, their body structures actually fitted their choreography. And I literally, I swear to God, I always thought that Keanu Reeves' body was perfect for the fight sequences, that, for the fight choreography that was done for him. And also Florence Fishburne, but then lo and behold, I was reading up on it, and it was like, what do you know? Yan Wu Ping actually choreographed the fight sequences to fit their body types and to fit their body their personalities. So I was actually kind of blown away. It was like, look at me being all smart and stuff. I think I was also <laughs> reading, and I realized with, they basically did four months of training, and he was like, man, these people are. Yeah, so he, they were like super out of shape, <laughs> and and Keanu's actually injured his um his cervical spine prior to pre production, yep. so like. Um, um, Wu Ping actually fit the choreography to um, to fit his restricted movements, which actually, which is why in the film he 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 seems stiff because literally he was stiff. Like if uh, like really up, like he didn't do much kicking, and then it was reflecting. He was like, "That's so true." Canaries, most of his um his actual choreography is like mostly like hand hand gestures and yeah. like shifting his body and like that kind of stuff, which actually fit. Yeah, because I think outside of the dojo, you don't get a you don't get a lot of actual like um, yeah. leg movement at all. And even in the dojo, it's just him shuffling back and forth to match yeah. Fishburne's movements. Yeah, like the end of the movie, you know, one of like the biggest things is him mm-hmm. just using his arms, like blocking yep. the bullets or using one hand to block, you know, the agents' things. You know, so Who it's basically all upper body. 
the yeah. last half of the movie. Like, who knew neck surgery would result in some of the cool. most iconic Western cinema, R- like, action But that shows you how um, smart and how um, how smart um, Yumu Ping is as a choreographer because, like, he, mm-hmm. he, he realized, okay, he's not going to force them to do what they're not able to do. He worked to suit. And by doing that, as you said, he created some of the most iconic action choreography fight scenes we've in like cinematic history. And like, kudos to him for like, because there, I'm sure there's some people that would have been like, you know what, I'm gonna tap out, find another choreographer. But he like he was he yeah. worked to suit the cast, and like that's to me was is amazing. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's like one of those things that like you have like we have to mention too is like because he's a he's a yes. Hong Kong mm-hmm. fight choreographer and director, and like. Wachowskis um, like were very thing. big fans of like. Oh yeah, for sure, they were heavily movie. influenced by Hong Kong cinema and at Japanimation. Yep. Well, but then we called it Japanimation, but now we call mm. it animation, anime, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like, and and I know Carolyn, you tweet about this a lot, and I know I've had a lot of issues with it, especially with the recent Captain Marvel movie. But Western cinema, when it comes to fight <sighs> editing or choreography, a lot of the times. They don't like you. They don't take into account the actors doing the moves. It's like, oh, we're gonna do this, and then we'll cut away, and we'll do this. And what for me, at least in what I've seen in like in my action loving life, um, the Matrix kind of stands as like this touchstone where it's like this big budget movie can be heavily, heavily um, just fight choreography based and like have it done well. And a lot of it is because of how amazing Wu Ping is as a fight choreographer. And, like, also just to point it out, too, like, probably a lot of your favorite Jet Li movies, he also choreographed because he did mm-hmm. Danny the Dog, which was unleashed in, in called right. Unleashed in the U.S. It's one of my favorite movies. He also mm-hmm. did Fearless. He also did, um, he ended up doing yes. The Grandmaster and It Man 3. He did both <laughs> volumes of Kill Bill, and he did yes. Kung Fu Hustle. So, like, this man has, like, a large yeah, and plus drunken master. I mean, come on. And fun fact: um, his student Tiger Chen actually became Keanu Reeves' best friend and one of his and one of his mentors. And Tiger Chen was actually in the movie that I just um, reviewed, Triple Threats, which was directed by Jesse B. Johnson, who, as you may, as we'll add a link, I I, I managed to um, interview. But the reason I bring up that is because um, Yong Ping, because he is a martial artist and a fight choreographer and a director. He understood how to choreograph to suit the vision of the of the film, but also the Wachowskis they respected him at enough as a choreographer to let him do what he needed to do, mm-hmm. and they actually and the, the filming was done to accommodate that. And in talking to Jesse B. Johnson, like when he was working with the choreographers, he's like he let the choreographer and the actors do what they needed to do. He's like they started out there, they stuff. He didn't interject, he didn't interrupt, and like and that's why I think like. Uh, I think a lot of Western um, action films that feature martial arts, they, I think, I think, and I say this a lot on Twitter, is I think the directors do not either respect the choreographers and the fighters enough to give them the space to do what they need to do. And therefore, when they're editing, they, they like chop it up too much because they don't know how to film action sequences. And, but when you have directors who know how to film action sequences and who trust the choreographers and the fighters to do what they need to do, you get action sequences for The Matrix because a lot of films, a lot of action films, like just before The Matrix and after, like if they're produced in Western by Western production companies, which The Matrix was done, like the action, the action is horribly, 
horribly like edited and like the the matrix and like if you look at the films like coming out on like triple threat and then you have who assassins that's coming out and warriors like and even then you have like the Ip Man series which um Yan Wu Ping worked on like you can tell the difference and like I think that's what sets the matrix apart a lot is because the directors were heavily influenced by Asian martial arts films they knew enough to like how they knew how to go about editing which is I think which is one of the things that a lot of people don't like give the film enough credit for is the editing itself for the fight sequences it's like yeah and I think that that's also like a really important thing to say because like when we think back on and when we look at like some of the most iconic fight scenes on television that we've had like in the last five years you automatically think about things like into the badlands but you also think about things but I mean and that and that has Hong Kong yep. in its blood right but if you think about something that's that's completely almost completely Western, like Daredevil, the reason that that works, and when you when you when you speak to the directors on individual episodes, and you speak with the fight choreographer, um, his name is Drew Drew Bruce. For which I one? For... He uh, okay. for Daredevil. He also does. He's Captain mm. America's stunt double, and also the fight choreographer on from Daredevil ah, season okay. one to season three. Um. One of the things that they, that they that the directors talk about and one of the things that the fight choreographers talk about is exactly what Carolyn's saying. It's this idea that, like, don't over-direct. Like, if this isn't what you're suited for, you need to let it happen organically and then figure out how to work with it. And for me, like, I think I ended up seeing... Um, like, I mean, I had seen, like, the mm-hmm. old Jackie Chan movies, right? And I had seen Enter the Dragon and the Bruce Lee movies. But I think The Matrix, for me, actually started my love of going into more of the, um, to going into, like, Hong Kong cinema or going into, like, foreign films to get that type mm-hmm. of action quality. Because after The Matrix, I didn't feel like I was getting that from a lot of things. Um, and I also just have to give a shout out to Cradle to the Grave because uh, it was also fight yes. choreographed by Wu Ping. And like the Jet Li 2000s movies are Listen. amazing. And I will rewatch mm. the one Romeo Must Die and Cradle to the Grave nonstop. Cradle to so the Grave. Well, story wise, it is kind of weak. And acting wise, because like, let's, let's face it, DMS. The uh, DMX wasn't that great, but nice. I love Cradle to the Grave because the fight sequences in that film are amazing. And there's always one fact I always remember is mm-hmm. in the behind the scenes video, the director is saying there's a scene where Jet Lee is fighting this other this other guy. I can't remember his name, but and I think it's amazing to to to, to notice is they actually what we watch in the film is actually a slow down rate of Jet Lee's punches because his hands were so mm-hmm. fast they actually had to slow them down. They actually have slowed down a frame rate in the film so that you could actually see him land the punches. And so, like, that's just fun, jelly fat. But yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but... So... <laughs> but yeah, so that's well, the no, way, though. The yeah. Matrix brings in all of this stuff. Like, yeah. the Matrix kind of makes Western cinema be like, oh, we can do this. Yeah, which kind of like you were talking about, of, like, almost like winning awards. When it came to, like, I obviously didn't look at all the awards, but from, like, out of the 40-something awards they won or whatever, majority of them are all from, like, sound and visual effects and like editing yeah. and film editing like it's not like Keanu Reeves was about here winning mm. Oscars it was literally all the basically effects teams yeah, uh, I think the, big, the biggest thing that this does right before you move on Matt is um, like like Carolyn was saying is there's just too much jump cutting too much jump cutting and I think like the excuse that I see a lot like on the internet and stuff is well, well it's Liam Neeson and he's like 87 years old and he can't do fighting we just talked about how Keanu Reeves' back was yeah, broken. Yeah, he has surgery. He has surgery just before. Have you seen Jackie? 
Yeah, like, have you seen Jackie Chan and the Foreigner? Anybody yeah, who makes like, an argument about age? Thank you. Like, like no. no. It's, Watch Jackie even, Chan. He kills it. if you get, it. like, someone who doesn't know how to do it, you can edit things and train people to kind yeah. of do what you need them to do. Exactly. If you give enough. If you care enough, um, because none of the cast like of the, the Matrix knew martial arts before. Not Keanu Reeves, not Carrie yeah. Moss, not exactly. Yeah, you think Loris Fishburne is actually, you know... That's why I said the first four months, I believe, were just all nothing yeah. but just training for this round. Yeah, so they talk about, basically, he talked, at least they talk about the end of, like, Keanu Reeves, basically, after surgery and stuff, when they knew this, he basically trained himself, like, intensely, and they give him prep for how much he was, like, actually training, like, through the injury yep. to get back to everything. And he actually apparently gave, like, two-thirds of his salary away from after this training to basically all the special effects and visual effects people. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff because I know he gave away like motorcycles to like cast and crew as well. I think after the second, I think it was after they wrapped up filming for the second and third, he like, I remember it was a big thing. He bought like motorcycles for like everybody. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. You know yeah. why? Because Keanu Reeves is a vampire and doesn't <laughs> care about mortal wealth. Um, so before we move on with fast, uh, talking about this bullet time, I guess, slow motion mm -hmm. camera thing. Apparently, yeah. it had been used once from what I saw in, like, 1980s, but it never, like, nobody cared at the time. But then, apparently, obviously, they used it, and obviously, it became for the next, like, we saw the movie Inception, which is basically all, basically the major. Bullet time is, <laughs> so I love the fight choreography of Wonder Woman, but the slow unnecessary in that movie is so unnecessary. much. It was unnecessary. Huh? Yes. Yeah, it was so much. And I think that that's definitely what ends up happening like, people use bullet time and slow-mo. Like, they don't know how to use it to mm. accent, right? Like, they just oversell yeah, like, like, if you're gonna, like, and, like, mentioning things like Wonder Woman, and it has, it should fit the story. Because, like, the mm -hmm. Matrix, like, that mode of um, visual storytelling fit the story because it's about disseminating reality, right? Like, going from, from hyper-reality yeah. hyper to, like, to, like, normal, to, like, normalcy because I guess you would say the matrix is reality quotes on quotes but then the um like going outside of the matrix into like zion like you have they like if you notice this and see that in the zion like they don't use bullet time um special effects in zion like they use other stuff for like the sentinels and stuff but like because it didn't make sense to use it in zion they use it in the matrix because yeah. it fit the matrix but you're gonna use something in like wonder woman in that scene you're talking about like there's a scene that everyone in the cinema laughed at when i watched it when she was running people are like is she on a treadmill what is happening because it doesn't match <laughs> like like what why yeah but obviously also, from all this they definitely changed the way action films were done yes, especially when I, they come movies coming after this like it did everything so I do want to give a shout out to yes. Equilibrium, which is the movie oh, with yes. Christian Bale and Gun uh, Fu. Gun Fu. Gun Kata. It's Gun Kata. Like, great. Gun Kata. Yeah, Gun Kata. I yeah. love that film like yep. so much. Yeah, have to have to point that out. That Very is underrated movie that I didn't surprise. So it is. I don't know why people. I mean, I guess I kind of know why people. Wait, it, it, but it's a good movie, and the fight it's so good. It's, so it's good. a good movie. It has good acting, and the story. I like the story because it's all of, it's like. It's about people fighting back against the man, the machine, capitalism. Like, what's not the... And, like, the water balloon. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, come on. The puppy. My heart. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So moving on from basically, obviously, how much groundbreaking it was for visuals and why it's actually restored, to kind of like the themes of this movie, basically there was, they grew influences, we talked about obviously thing, but they grew influences for religious influences throughout all the movies. Obviously, we talked about four, we have mm-hmm. The Chosen One. Um, they built, they mentioned throughout the first movie of like, they built the first Matrix as a paradise, but most rejected it, which leads to them building on this idea of human nature requires suffering and we require chaos and struggle. They do a lot of this, uh, I guess it's called epistemology. Epistemology. Yeah. Epistemology. But basically, yeah. it's a theory of knowledge. They go through a lot of that. They explore a lot of the Christianity. <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is now a religion. Um, <laughs> um, they, they explore a lot of the Christianity themes in a lot of the first movie, like suffering, sacrifice, what is knowledge, and real, and stuff. And then in the later movies, they go into more deeper Eastern religions with like the body dying the soul is eternal reincarnation and other forms and physical stuff and which always leads to like neo basically wanting to save zion and free the people from within the matrix and agent smith wanting to like basically kill and destroy everything from both humans and machines and they both want the same thing to stop suffering but on polar opposites and like even down to just choosing the name zion that's Mm -hmm. also a religious reference um and then, like, on, like, the epistemology thing, like, epistemology is, like, I remember studying it when I was in grad school, um, or, like, we always had, like, an epistemology section, um, and it's, like, it's it's the theory of how we know what we know and why we know what we know, and it's super convoluted, but it, like, it makes perfect sense when you, like, map it onto the matrix, so that, that that's, like, all that this is, like, dissecting. It's dissecting different strings of knowledge, which ultimately leads to, like, these larger, grander... Um, Examples being things that make your head hurt it. if you think about um, that too much. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, we're about to get merrily make your head hurt in the next. But why though? We're Kate done with religious essays. I'm, I'm I'm done. That's that, that's all, those are the only things I wanted to talk about because like I want to talk about Plato. So. All right. So basically, we're going to the next part. But why though? Is basically the philosophy of the Matrix, kind of like uh, Carolyn said earlier. At this time, because of this movie and the core and how popular it was, everybody started mm-hmm. questioning reality. <laughs> and then, so basically, the there's kind of a few things that go on here. We have the cartes, which I kind of said at the beginning of the base question. Cart, cart, whatever. It's some guy from the 17th century. He'll be fine. Yeah, and I have like two of his books on my shelf downstairs because I still had to read him. Descartes, man. Yeah, yeah you, you gotta say you have to say Descartes. My bad, Descartes. There and, we go. Okay. Based on the cart, as I started this whole entire thing, it was based on the philosophical question of what is real. So they kind of go with the cart's evil demon, which I'm kind of just basically read some lines to try to best explain this. If you're a philosopher, good luck with this. You probably know this more than me. If you get lost, welcome to the Matrix. Um, it's kind of like when Morpheus is talking to Neo. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to awake from that dream? How would you know the difference between a dream and a real world? And then Morpheus kind of describes, like, his belief of what reality is as far as a human experience concerned is composed of electrical and synaptic activity in the central nervous system. So from Descartes' way of saying this, this is, like, the easiest way I could break this down of finding this stuff. I read, like, five different, like, study papers. So another thing the Matrix did was basically give everybody an entire field of philosophy a bunch of dissertations. It's everything. Yeah, it is actually. Um, so at my uh, at the AAR, uh, the American Academy of Religion, one of the panels that I went to mm-hmm. was on the Matrix and how it influences theological like building, 
after it because like one of the things people don't realize is that a lot of um preachers or like uh, any sort of like faith leader in any religion they use pop culture to try and become like get closer to their communities and stuff and so when you have themes like the matrix or any matrix or anything like that it influences them which then makes scholars pay attention to be like oh wow you're doing this and then scholars talk about it yeah bunch yeah so Kind of the way what Guitar said in this is basically he's suspicious of his knowledge that he obtained through his senses and his own beliefs, and he became convinced that one must use one's mind rather than one's senses to obtain knowledge about the world and a system of knowledge constructed by Descartes. Perception is unreliable as a means of gathering information, and the mental process of deduction is the only way to acquire real knowledge. Basically, it's Sherlock. Yeah, it's it. Yeah. And, and this entire thing is built off of, I mean, you're going to go into it, but it's built off of, um, I think it's like the theory of forms. It has to do with the idea of mm-hmm. what is real and like, it's from Plato and when you get into it, I'll, I'll expand on it, but it, it's this idea that kind of like everything we're surrounded by, we yeah. can't know. Um, and the only way we know it is by through, thi- it, it's through thinking. Um, it's it's the reactions that get sent to us and our mind processes anything that is outside of our mind processing it. Um, it's not good. So, like, essentially it'd be like, okay, I am... Well, I can just go to the updated version, which will probably give you a better example. Yeah, go ahead. So, actually, there's an updated version of this whole entire thing, which I don't remember exactly the time frame, but it's called Brain in a Bot, in a Bat. And it's kind of like what we talk about with Futurama. A brain is disembodied from the body and put in a in a vat of life-sustaining liquid, kind of like the heads were in Futurama. And you connect it up to wires and you send un- impulses to a supercomputer. And basically, does the brain know it? It is a is a brain in a vat or is it in the skull? Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, the whole. So that's yeah. I mean, that's the thing with the matrix, like going with um, talking about epistemology and that kind of stuff, like. When this, like, because I'm Christian, right? And I, I'm something Adventist, but I remember when this, when the Matrix came out, um, like, everyone was talking about this film, and it was discussed in church. Like, we discussed it in um, what we call A-Way, which is, um, uh, like, evening uh, evening session after church and evenings where we discuss, like, just any topic that we wanted to talk about. And the Matrix was, like, a huge discussion because it, it, it we, even though it's talking about um, perception and everything, we were, like, discussing, okay, we kind of linked it into like, why do you believe what you believe? How do you know that there's a God? Why do, why do you believe that there's a God and that kind of stuff? And it, and it was super interesting at that time because it was like, it made people think about religion and faith, not necessarily faith based on like God, but faith in anything, um, uh, how important it is to like know what you believe, whether you believe in God or, or if you or whatever religion you are. And it was super interesting at that time because as I said, when I watched the um, Animatrix, like that, that, Thing made me like literally doubt reality. I had like nightmares. I'm like, oh my god, am I in the matrix? That kind of thing. You're like, well, like, am I really awake? You know, like, like, because you know that when you have like a dream within a dream within a dream, you're always like, but what if this is like the ultimate long running dream? Who's to say I'm not really in a pod somewhere, right? And they think that's why the matrix is still to this day is one of the most significant cup. Um, films ever made because it, it has it has such a long reaching effect because it went into philosophy into religion into like faith and that kind of stuff so like that's why i think that's why it it will always be a a touchstone in in pop culture and yeah like sometimes i like like why do we believe what we believe like that's one of the most fundamental things about being human right like yeah. why do we believe certain things 
So the funny thing you brought up about that, because you talked about religion and, like, using that, what do you believe? Like, the car, like, reading about, like, with him, he was like, I have no <laughs> Yes. I have no, no, no. arms. That, so, that's, that, so that's the thing. I hate it. So, like, I hate reading Dakar, and I hate reading Kuho. Those are the two <laughs> people I hate reading, because they're really weird. They're all over the place. But my simplest way to, to describe Descartes, and, the, like, the easiest way that I explain it to, like, students and stuff is essentially, like, his entire thing is that what you mm. know is the truth in let like or what your brain knows is the truth so if you drink a glass of poison and all of your senses tell you that it's not poison because it yeah. doesn't smell it can't it affect looks you fine your best friend gave it to you but then your body ingests it and your mind processes it and it's like oh no this is poison like it's proof that like you can't really trust anything else you pick up unless you think about it deduce it and come to it now if you were thinking you would be like oh well i pissed my friend off oh you know, why is my friend serving me this? We can go into Coco here. Like, why is he coming up to me over here and giving me a shot right before I leave? <laughs> exactly. He's angry at me. Like, <laughs> essentially, like, in, in order to maintain reality, you have to consciously and critically think about everything. Um, Descartes isn't used so much now in so much as he's referenced because he's mm. a building block. Um yep. But he's it, it's like it's required reading. So any any sort of um, liberal arts thing that is going to understand how people act, behave, believe, or think, um, you're gonna have to at least familiarize yourself with the theory of. Yeah, um, thinking the about him kind of makes me think of him sure, because based on the series, the the, the mm-hmm. not going from the books, I'm going from the series. Like, um, uh. That's basically how Sherlock is. Like he's disseminating information all the time. He's always intaking information. He doesn't trust anything that anyone says, or he doesn't even trust his own senses. He only believes and trusts things that he can, he can figure out for himself. He's like, I know this is fighting because I'm gonna observe the effects. He's very. He's like, I know this person is coming to kill me because I'm gonna observe mm-hmm. what this person is gonna kill me. I'm gonna and I'm gonna disseminate information that I'm seeing. So it kind of reminds me of that. And then there's the philosophy. I can't remember who said it. Is like, if a tree falls in a forest and if there's and there's no one there to hear it, does it really make a sound? Right, so it's it's about that. It's about that. Yeah. It's like trust what you can understand and not what you can see, which is kind of a crappy way to go. Because yep. like, if I see a hole there, I'm gonna avoid the hole. I'm not gonna question if it's a hole or not. I'm gonna walk around it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why Descartes was like, I have no hands. Yeah. Which kind of leads to the next part, which we already kind of mentioned, Plato. Of this is also kind of took over not only like in philosophy but just in general pop culture of red pill versus and so obviously we have the red pill where morpheus says you stay in wonderland i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes where life is of harsh knowledge desperate freedom brutal truths of reality blue pill where the story ends you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe the life of luxurious security tranquil happiness and blissful ignorance of illusion and he ends it with i just like the one to end everything remember all i'm offering is the truth that scene is really good and like morpheus is just Mm -hmm. a really good character (laughs) but so this kind of leads into plato's allegory of the cave which is kind of the whole entire sense of the matrix in some sense as much as we talked about the car we have plato's allegory play essentially people live in a cave in a fixed position and all they ever know is what is inside of the cave so on what basis are you to expect anything outside of the cave so how do you know what reality mm-hmm. really is? But it also goes beyond just living in the cave, right? Yeah. So, like, essentially, like, the way the theory goes is that you live in a cave, 
you're in a cave and you have fire as your source of light and only things that you could see are reflected in the shadow casted by the light from the fire and so you never understand what the true form of something is um unless you see it directly but the major and what he said was essentially the majority of everything that we experience in the world is a shadow of something and we don't see it like head on and so this is kind of where Descartes builds all of his stuff on it I'm I'm gonna google it but I'm pretty sure it's theory of forms and that's and that's where the cave analogy is used yeah basically that was okay which kind of lead to if you want to google it let me go to the next part yeah it's the theory of forms yes okay. it's yes. the theory of forms it, so the cave is a piece of it right. and then you have the cave you have you within the cave and then you have you that is real and you can see your hand and then you have the fire that projects a shadow and you have to understand what the shadow is but you can never know what the shadow is 100 percent. so right. you have non-physical idea and physical yeah yeah it's been a long time i've been out of now grad you're school confusing like yourself yeah i've been i've been out of grad school for two years i just know <laughs> that like that plato was actually the thing that i found really interesting this um, kind of leads to Plato, the next part of basically Plato's analogy of the sun. We talked about mm -hmm. the fire. The sun is a metaphor for the nature of reality and knowledge concerning it. The sun is knowledge. Light itself is true and understanding. So basically, somebody drags you out of the cave from basically having that fire source to where you now can see the actual sun and what it uh, brings to you. So mm, in yes. this case, you're unplugged from the matrix and stepping out of the cave. To the first step of knowledge or gnosis, which leads to enlightenment of where they sit. Mm -hmm. Enlightenment. Obviously, these things are very hard, and these people spent wrote so many papers and so many books on this stuff, but to do it in a very simple concept. Yeah, I will say this: that theory, that the theory of form forms, is something that people do still use now. Yes. Um, it's one of those things that was vague enough to actually be have a practical use in many different fields. Um, because Descartes went, I have no hands, and took it too off their hands, and it didn't age well. But there's a reason that you know Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle are consistently used is because they made applicable universal yeah. observations. Yeah. So all this is wrapped up into a kung fu movie, and it's amazing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Adrian, do you have? Are you confused and locked in this? Because I know this took me oh, a long time. I mean, what what I was gonna say is that this isn't another instance of the biome incident that we had before. <laughs> like, I literally know all of these things because I used to be a philosophy major for two years in college, um, and this whole conversation is why I did not continue <laughs> like, philosophy because these conversations are too convoluted and. I'm tired. I got tired of reading about people who said because I can't see it behind yeah. me, it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, and I've got no hands. I close my eyes. Everything is gone because I can't see it. So therefore, yeah, I just got to get those conversations. So everything that Kate's talking about is stuff that um, I learned about while I was also in college. Um, and it's crazy that this stuff is still in here. And I'm like sitting here thinking, I don't know if we get like another movie that really challenges like that kind of stuff until like. I don't know, like Inception, Inception. <laughs> maybe like that's really it. Maybe the prestige because you have like the whole cloning thing. Like who is, is the yeah, actual was person? It a twin, that kind of because, thing. Like are, yeah. yeah. Cause I, I think like the only other movie between like then is like the prestige. And then 
for me because the prestige has like a whole thing of like are you just a sum of your experiences really so if you clone yourself and this person goes over here and has different experiences is that the oh, same nice. person you really were before even so, though yeah all, all that stuff so like that oh, and then like wait. inception are really the only movies i can think of that kind of have like this kind of philosophy driven kind of thing backed up with like well, other wait, crazy well, stuff going i on. feel like hold on, hold on, hold on. Be- before well, we, there's more before but i can't think on. of on top of my head so the funny thing about when you mentioned that is literally um when they were making this movie it was a hard sell yeah it was super hard to sell because warner, Bro- awesome. warner brothers took a chance on this they actually made an entire like comic like book anime strip of like showing this entire thing laid out to yeah. sell oh. it to people that like hey this is uh, a hold on i just gotta say something the prestige you think it was a clone i thought it was his twin no well he was so no, no I need to. Know. I gotta watch over that film again. <laughs> no, the one like where he clicked because he's in the thing. Oh, you're talking uh, about Hugh Jackman. I thought you were talking about the I'm um, Things character because I was like, what? No, no, no. Oh, okay, because no, no. you, you just blew my mind. I was gonna be, but wait. Okay, okay, yeah, that's what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I think you're talking about Christian Bale's character because you, you just made, you just made me pause. I was like, hold on. <laughs> okay, yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, there, there's the fountain. It's there too. The fountain's one. Yeah, the fountain. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz. Did you? Why is, what's up with Hugh Jackman? Wait, the fountain. Let me look at that. I don't think I've ever watched that. But going in, it is okay. You need to watch okay, it. I mean, it's one of my favorite. Movies I may ever. have watched it because sometimes I watch films and then I just forget the, the names of them. So it has to do with the Tree of Life and yeah, I have across times. Yeah, yeah, it's so but, but good I would you would you compare it to like because you mentioned um, Inception? I wouldn't compare it to Inception because Inception is more about personal reality right because um whereas the matrix of stuff is dealing with reality on the outside the, the inception is more about personal um inner inner um disseminating your inner reality like i'll just i'll just ask you what every other philosopher i ever read about in college said well what is reality carolyn it doesn't matter because everything <laughs> reality, could be someone yeah, else's the reality matrix. so maybe we, we're all just we're all like we're all just cogs in someone else's wheel <laughs> but I will say that was the thing that threw me off because I was reading the car and I was like, this is interesting. And he started going, I have no hands. And I totally see why everybody's like, I don't get it. Like, I have no hands. Yeah, so I have no legs. So- I am a corpse. <laughs> so, fun fact before we get here, before we go on to the final part, which kind of like came from the Matrix of like a design of a paper. And I read two scientific papers on this thing or whatever published. Um, basically, um, the Wachowskis, they wanted all of their cast members to actually be able to understand and explain the Matrix, and so they required them to do all these readings. Um, so That's actually, cool. the first person they wanted to play, Neo, was not Keanu yep. Reeves, but Will Smith. Yeah. And he was like, I don't understand this shit. <laughs> and so he went and played this <laughs> Wild West. But yeah, because he says he, he, says he didn't Wait, get the so concept. Wait, so that's why he went to Wild Wild West? Yeah, you didn't know that? Neo? Yeah. Yes, but he was like, I don't understand no, this so at I all. I knew that. I knew that he could have been Neo. My whole thing is he said, I'm not going to learn your philosophy. I'm going to go make Wild Wild West. Which I am one of the few people who did not realize that people hated yeah, Wild, 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 Wild West. Yeah, it's not that. It's not that. I love Wild Wild West. I'm okay. I love the okay theme song, though. I love the theme song of the Wild Wild West. The film yes. itself. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that they made him do that. But it also kind of makes sense because, like, isn't Jada, like, a Scientologist in, like, he kind of has to be a Scientologist. Wait, is Jada a Scientologist? No, I, I, no I, as far as I know, like, they no. were, think, I think the whole thing with a Scientology and them is, like, when, because he's friends with, like, Tom Cruise, I think, like, they were introducing them to the whole thing, and then, as far as I know, Will Smith did not become a Scientologist. She they, they was were? a Scientologist. She's no longer oh, a Scientologist. Oh, right, okay, yes. Oh, okay. But, yeah. 
He's like, he's like Man, get this. Get yeah, this but but you didn't know. That's 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 a, a famous so, that's a famous thing in like where people are like it's one of the it's like one of the biggest um things where who like who could have had one of the most famous roles and like they, they gave it up like Will Smith turning down Neo is like one of those things where people were like you could yeah. have been in this amazing franchise. That's a whole different movie in my head with Will Smith in it and that Keanu Reeves. As I as I he said, like that's why I was saying earlier, like I I think you know there's some actors you know are meant to play certain roles. Like you would say Ryan Reynolds is meant to play Deadpool. I am convinced, yeah, in my body, with every fiber of my being, that Keanu Reeves was always meant to play Neo. Anna's Fishburne was meant to play Morpheus because yeah. I cannot see anyone. Playing those characters, like even his, like as I said, like his body shape is like when you look at that body shape, you look, you look like someone who's having an existential crisis right now. That's what you look like, right? Because <laughs> like, you look at an existential crisis. Because on, if you look at his, if you look at speed, like I swear to you, when when the Matrix first came out, I could not believe that that was Canaries because when you would watch speed, like his body, his body shape is completely different. In speed, he looks shorter. He's bulkier. He looks tan. Like he could, he could have yeah. passed for Latino. With in in speed, like I confession time. I always thought Canaries was was half Latino until I found out he was actually half half Asian. Like you know, half Hawaiian. He's yeah, he's like Latino. yeah, and I was like, wait, what? I thought he was half Latino. Lo and behold, he was not because he looks like in speed. If you look at his face and his thing, like he looks like he could pass for half Latino. So I will say this: there are a lot of Latinos who and who do look kind of Asian, and a lot of it's because yeah, yeah. There's that, but they but then his body shape changes. So, so, so it's not that far. It's not that far. Yeah, right. But then his body his body shape changed. Like he he look, he looks taller. He's leaner, and like you look at him, I'm like, that's Neo. Like, yeah, so I'm actually I'll put it in the show notes or I'll put it in the show notes of the episode. But I'm actually looking at a picture of Keanu Reeves from Speed and Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, and it, it, it yeah, right. Like and like you, I I when I saw it in the cinema, and it was like, what? That's Keanu Reeves? Seriously? I could not believe it. But but yeah, like and now he's yeah! playing John Wick and still looks the same, the immortal. <laughs> but there was a. I'll say there's one more reading that they were supposed to do that I didn't quite understand, and it was by a 1980. It's from 1981 French philosopher called uh, Simulacra and Simulation, oh, yeah. which is based on reality, symbols, and yeah. society. They were supposed to understand and read that book, and obviously I pulled Will Smith because I didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. That one. <laughs> but that was another one that was definitely influenced. But yeah, all the cast was supposed to be able to read and be able to explain if you ask somebody what is the Matrix. And it makes sense. But it it kind of makes sense because, like, imagine them having to, like, do all of these press interviews and they don't understand. That's like me. When I have to interview um, people, like, I do research and, like, you know, you read upon them and, like, they have to, like, and I do research on them and the film. Like, imagine, like, them doing press interviews. Like, so what's the Matrix about? Tell us your character's thing. And they were like, um, he's a guy who wakes up in alternate reality. And it's not exactly that he's a wakes up in alternate reality. (laughs) They have to be able to, like, sell people on the idea of this film, right? Because that's part of their job as actors, to sell the film. And, like, if they don't know what the heck is going on, people are going to be like, this film is going to confuse me. I'm not going to watch this. But if they sound like they know what they're talking about, like, it makes perfect. And it also helps with probably the dialogue because a lot of the dialogue is, like, as Matt was referencing, is based on like philosophies so like they gotta be able to sell the lines too like it's one of those things that it, it and i think it's what also like breaks down from like I, I think it's the reason why 
um, certain actors like live in genres is because they really understand the yeah. material that they're getting into, and that's why they excel um, because they take it seriously. And I think it's the reason why, like, the fact that like Jordan Peele gives his actors like mm-hmm. a list of horror movies to watch to get into the headspace, like that's I think that it's one of those things that helps. So, and I mean, I kind of always thought that the Wachowskis were like that because they kind of like they go sure. all in on their movies all the time, for better or for worse. <laughs> But they they always put that type of dedication into it. So this led from the Matrix after they do it. Another <laughs> argument that came up and kind of been developed from here called the simulation argument, which is where we'll end up because this is I think is fun and fascinating and probably the most intriguing concept of the entire Matrix that came out of the movie of are we living in a computer simulation? Dun dun dun. dun, dun. Because basically, basically they took one of the fo- basically one of the following three statements are true. They have to be no matter what. Um, the human species is very likely to go extinct before reaching a post-human stage, which would be one. Any post-human civilization is extremely unlikely to run a significant number of simulations of their evolutionary history or variation. So basically, they would go back and see where humans are. Or three, we are most certainly living in a computer simulation. It basically follows the belief that there's a significant chance that we will one day become post-humans who run ancestral simulations is false unless we are currently living in a simulation. A number of other consequences <laughs> of this result is also discussed. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> what the hell does all this mean? Um, humankind goes extinct before reaching post-human level. Um, number two, post-humans decide not to run any simulations on humans for various reasons, whether it be ethics, resources, or if not interested. Or three, we are living in a simulation in the cosmos and everything we are observing. It's just a tiny piece of a totality of a physical existence of what we know is reality. And kind of like what you're talking about in, in Inception, we could actually be running simulations within simulations. Of, we may not get quite to post-human, but we are running simulations on our actual ancestral history to see what we did for our evolutionary thing within possibly another sense. So, if you ever watch Rick and Morty of that sense with the car battery. Yes, but so this actually, like, I, I like this theory, and I think that it's something that I, I think other sci-fi have been able to kind of, like, utilize in different ways, and I say that specifically because the last season of Black Mirror, there's an episode mm. of it where the entire episode are these two, they're these two characters who they live in a world where essentially you get paired off with somebody, and, like, you have, like, a dedicated, like, if I were to pull this up, and it would be, um, my watch would be like, oh, you have to be with so-and-so, and you're going to be together for six months, and only six months. You meet yeah. that person, you go to a house, you're with them for six months, you leave, and then eventually you end up finding the one. Well, these two people get matched up with each other, fall in love with each other, but then their time is done, and they get matched up with other people, and by the time their matching day comes where they're supposed to get married, they escape. And when they escape the the, the area, the enclosed area, it essentially shoots them up like like a little red dot into this thing, and it sees and it in it in in the end it says ninety nine point nine percent chance ninety nine point nine percent match, which meant that like in the that hundred you know whatever many simulations, they escaped together that many times, and there was like only one time that they didn't, um, and so it it like to me thinking about like the way that the the matrix has kind of influenced this idea of like whether or not we're in a, in a simulation or not it's carried over the pop culture oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um heavily but then i also know that isn't there like i know that there are some mathematicians who have like done no. the math to see how many no they've actually 
so basically where I read this entire dissertation paper, published paper, they yeah. do all the math for you. Yeah. <laughs> There's all math involved in what we do. So basically, you're talking about, like, they actually have it down to, like, were you thinking, like, there's, like, a me simulation where they isolate it with selective si- simulations to where it's, like, only one person. And you told me of... liberal arts degrees were useless. What is this math degree used for? <laughs> and they did, like, you know, like, basically do selective simulations, like you said, where, like, one person does it, where if you think you are in a simulation yourself, it has to be, like, basically 10 times billion more chances that you're not in a simulation for a me selective simulation versus an entire computer simulation. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I have but, no hands. But no, but you yeah. you mentioned Black Mirror. That's I think episode was the one with the date because I think that was the one with um oh my not Google and Bathra was that her? No, it was someone else. But there is also the latest one, um, Bandersnatch is kind of like that where like you have it's like the there there is like the guy was filming a show based on the decisions that you the viewer make and the. And the characters meet themselves. Like you, he either turns up to be a murderer, he um turns up to be in a television show filming his life and that kind of stuff. And because there, and it's interesting because when the when I first started doing it, I actually stopped making decisions up to a point to see what the what the show would do. And I'm like, it does, and I, and it was like, you know, what? it doesn't matter what I what decisions I make because the, the the outcome has already been determined based on what they filmed, right? So I'm like, you want me to decide what the characters do, but guess what, Netflix, I'm not gonna fall for it because you already filmed these, you already filmed <laughs> what the actors are gonna do, you already have predetermined outcomes. Therefore, I will not <laughs> bend to your will, Netflix, because you're controlling me, <laughs> right? <laughs> it, it, so you broke That's what I did. I was like, I rebel against the machine. You Netflix will not make me make <laughs> will not make me make choices. Alright, so it's kinda like that. <laughs> it's like There's an entire field of all Yeah, those kind of things there. are like mind bending sometimes. It's fun, but then you like start to think too much about it. Like I refuse to think about the uh, the idea of eternity because it literally gives me a headache. I'm like, I I will not. I refuse. That's how you get into an exactly. So the one thing I do take. So the one thing I do take about the simula- uh, simulation argument, and I kind of been thinking about. It, I don't know how much it works, but basically we've kind of done the math and whatnot of basically are we ever going to basically find aliens? Or are we going to reach another intelligent life form? Oh, for sure. oh, and yeah. so they've done the math of basically the Drake equation. Well, not just the Drake equation. Well, it's part of the Drake equation, but basically the last part of the Drake equation of basically mm-hmm. our extinction. And basically, they've calculated where we have to live long enough without going extinct to actually get the technology and resources and then be interplanetary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it kind of goes with this whole, they do kind of simulate, they run a bunch of simulations to see whether humans can actually make it to be interplanetary based on the conditions. And it's not even like, oh, technology and stuff is whether, basically, do we go oh, yeah, extinct sure. or not? We also, like, never make it past a certain yeah. point. Yeah, we've actually never made it based on the simulations. Sadly, it's, it's depressing. depressing. But yeah, but like I always believe that we are not the only ones. The truth is out there, as they say in in, in mm-hmm. X Files. <laughs> there are other beings. This universe is our universe itself is far too vast for us to be the only beings. But we're probably the most we're probably oh, the yeah. most destructive beings ever created. So like the other aliens would be like these humans, <laughs> stay far away. <laughs> yeah. so that's what's kind of like why I find it with that because that's kind of how they kind of take this of like. This has to be grant. This like these following have to be true. Like we will meet somebody because of statistics and everything else. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fun concept. Um, I don't know if we're living in a simulation. I guess nobody's hit me up on a computer. 
So the feds are watching. Have you had to follow a rabbit anywhere? Nope. I'm just I'm suspicious as hell. I'm like someone's like follow the white rabbit. I'm like you know what? No. <laughs> so Adrian, are you in a simulation? Um, <laughs> does it matter? <laughs> in some ways, no. Honestly, I, I go back to my whole uh, problem with studying philosophy thing. Is does it matter? Does it change? Like, if I'm in a simulation, does it change the fact that we're recording this no, right now? We have already a, done it. A good time. Probably not. No. I mean, apparently it affected us earlier when Carolyn got booted out of the simulation. Matrix does not like me. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing about like. That's the funny thing about the paper, the way the paper ends up. If we are actually living in simulation, please don't go insane. <laughs> <laughs> the, way, the way I see it is that, because uh, like I said, it's like one of those things, like, like do you go down the rabbit hole? Like, do you, you want to know what's on the other side? Blah, 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 blah. Like, I've never had certain kinds of foods, but I know the foods that I like get yep. me through just fine. You're like, I don't know. So, <laughs> do I really need to try those oh. other foods? No. I'm good exactly. with, what, with what I got, so you know, as long as as long as I'm doing okay, don't take yeah. That's, and see, you know, you're saying that like I don't know why, but us um, Jordan Peele's film popped it in my head because I've been speculating that is that it kind of has that kind of um, feel to it to me because I'm looking at because he's like talking about like two realities of yourself. So you have the red, the normal, and then you have the dark side. And I I was telling um. Philippe, who's my co-host for Saturday Night Sci-Fi, I told him my theory for the film, even though I have not seen us, is I feel like who we think are the bad people, which is the dark side, are actually the good ones, and the people who look normal are actually they're the bad selves, and they're like duking it out, trying to see who whose reality is going to become, um, whose reality is going to win out. And like I always find these kind of things interesting because like just like when just dreaming, and like when you think about the, like the things that we assume are the things our brains are capable of as human beings, like creating a whole reality as we dream like like you know like and like these, these kind of discussions and everything fascinate me and i love these kind of films that make me think some that i don't need to think too much but i like films i like films that make me think like, like no because i think he was just being i think he was just being lazy <laughs> and trying to shirk responsibility because if someone says the card i need you to move this cup he's like but i have no hands therefore i cannot move the cup i'm like you know what you got Are feet you questioning my I'm reality like, you know what the card you may not got hands but you got two feet walk across there and shove it with your body i'm like i think he was just trying to shirk responsibility <laughs> talking about he ain't got no hands um so that's about all i have <laughs> that's about all i have um i don't know if we want to do fan but why though before um, yeah i think we got a few we got a few fan, but why though? So I'll go ahead and read those off. Um, we have from Shannon Joy twenty six. Uh, I could write about this for so long, but the concept was just so different. It made me sit and think for about three hours when I first saw it. The special effects are still great. Trinity breaks barriers by being a more butch looking woman, and there are, and she continues on with, and there is never one dumb lesbian joke made, and also one of the most fuck yeah <laughs> endings. <laughs> and then this is from Serial Sensei. Sensei? I like Serial. Serial oh. Sensei. Yeah. Uh, he said, aside from being a great movie, it was one of the first times I went out of my way to read a script. And man, you could literally see the movie with the way the script was written. It made me appreciate the film that much more. Yeah. And it looks like, I believe that is about it. So You're not going to read Lizzie's. <laughs> Lizzie's. Lizzie can't even handle reality. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, that's about all I have for this. Obviously, if we want to go into final thoughts real fast, we're wrapping up. I know we're getting a little long, but yeah. Final thoughts. Um, final thoughts about the films. It's one of the most iconic films ever made with some of the most iconic imagery and fight choreography. And I think the Wachowskis made a once in a lifetime film. Like they, you know, there's certain films that no matter how good of a director you are, there's they're the seminal film. And I think this is theirs and it influenced a generation to follow because you had 1999 and then you had the Y2K thing and after that like it was all it was all influenced by a lot of the Y2K thing was influenced by the Matrix like what the hell what happened do we come out of the Matrix in 2000 whatever but like I don't think there's a myth, another film that influenced like a generation as much and not only a generation but people that were older and younger than the Wachowskis like they influenced directors that were like in the game longer than them and like who started copying them and I think and I I think the the Matrix is a film like that will never be cop that can never be copied. It can be copied per se as it influences things, but it can never truly be copied. Oh, and I have to say, it was the first time in because I watched this when I was in Barbados that I saw people actually going to the cinema dressed as cart characters. So this is when it, it influenced the Beijing culture in a massive way. Like people went to the film dressed in trench coats and shades at night. And, like, that's when, like, Bajan started to actually dress, like, car- like characters from films. Because after that yeah. was Fast and Furious, and, like, it would become a whole... I'm not gonna lie. There was a guy in my school who dressed up like Neo. So I was in middle school and high school with him, and he dressed up like Neo from sixth grade until about, like, right. sophomore year. I'm pretty sure it was the Probably same the costume, too. Jeans. Every yeah, time for Halloween. the whole thing in Barbados. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um... I'll go next. Uh, yeah, I just love The Matrix. And talking about it kind of makes me, you know, it makes me realize a whole bunch more stuff. It, in, like, one, how it's impacted it, uh, impacted pop culture and, like, films after it. And it's also one of the reasons why I feel like, it's one of the reasons why I don't like the, it's not that I don't like it, I agree with it. Like, Western Western films have a hard time making stuff. But I don't, and I talked to somebody Twitter on Twitter about it because she was like, oh, well, it, it, you know, it gets a pass because it's Western and Western films can't do this. And in my head, I'm like, no, was like, it doesn't get a pass because people have proved that they can make amazing action fight sequences. It, that is a fault on the director for not doing it. And that is what I got. And I'm just kind of like. For me, I think The Matrix is that first point where I was really moved to like start go looking for more genres of films and more things that gave me that type of action, like that type of like physical mm. combat, right? Like actual full out, like um, I know kung fu, <laughs> <laughs> like and I, I like it, it. It made me want more of that, and it luckily, if you look at the movies that came out around it right after it, we got a whole influx of Western martial arts movies which I treasure in my heart forever. But I think looking at this and looking at people respond to me for, like, my critique about the Captain Marvel fight scenes, it, like, it, you can't you, you can't scapegoat that because there are definitely Western directors who can do this and can work mm-hmm. with fight choreographers in a way that makes All things great. Like, and the Matrix solidified that. Okay, that's it. <laughs> um... For me, I mean, The Matrix again. Well, for like for one, it's like one of like the movies that me and my dad used to watch like all the time, like the very first one. So I just have like very fond memories of like watching The Matrix with my dad, and we always watch like a lot of the movies that 
Kate and Carolyn talked about, like all of the the you know, um, all the all those action movies are all movies I watched, and this is the one I, re- I remember most fondly, just because it has so many cool elements from everything that we talked about. Like, it has elements of like Bruce Lee movies and elements of like Jet Li movies, and, like all this other stuff mixed in with just like this weird like philosophy stuff, which is cool. You know, Morpheus being like the Greek god for dreams. It just has like a lot of like really really cool stuff that. I don't. I think you have to watch more than once to kind of get. And then the second movie's good, and the third movie's okay. But like, as long as this first one sticks around and ages well, I think The Matrix will always kind of be in a really good spot as far as like culturally significant movies. And of course, without it, we probably wouldn't have John Wick, which is you know another amazing franchise with Keanu Reeves kicking ass. So I'm all about it. It's really really great, and I want to go watch the movie now after the conversation. I do kind of want to go watch the reset just because I was like, most of the time I was like, man, I don't remember anything from the second or third one. I have pulled up um, in my YouTube browser the Matrix fight scenes and we'll be going <laughs> through these. So, yeah, it's, it's just done so well, man. Like, it's just like all the videos, because we, when we talk about like the fight scenes a lot, but like even like the editing stuff of, you know, tinting the Matrix in green and like tinting the real world in blue and like just like those little subtle things that. I didn't really understand and like really see when I watched it the first time and now watching it again and kind of knowing about it again as an adult like gives you just more appreciation for the movie uh, even though it's you know 20 years later and also and I will say this like to Shannon's point I didn't realize this and I, I'm it, I actually have the lobby scene pulled up on my on my computer like when Trinity is in the trench coat right next to Neo like they're styled exactly yeah. the same exactly yeah. the and same. and and kudos is, and i think kudos for that has to go to the costume de- designer because she her because reading upon what how she designed the suits it had to do with all about utility and how they were going to be used and it had nothing to do with sexuality and that's why and that's why yeah. like i think also their costumes are also one of the most iconic things about the film because like even looking at films now, a lot of the MCU films and like the DCEU films, like we gotta be in, like we gotta be honest, like a lot of the costumes are sexualized, and the only th- costumes in the in the MCU who that are not sexualized are from um, Black Panther, and I would also say Captain Marvel. Like everything before those films is all about tits and ass and boobs. Like look at um, I hate Black Widow's costume because I'm like she's a mercenary. Why is her, why Why do we have all, her boobs should be protected. Why are her breasts, like... So I actually think she's, I actually think out of the MCU, I think, I think that she's the only one that is Oh, like you mean that. Black Widow? Because, like, well, yeah. uh, Wasp, because Wasp, yeah, Black, yeah, yeah, because Wasp isn't, Valkyrie isn't, Sif but the, isn't. But that's, but that has to do with, um, I think because, that has, I think that's because they, one. because, like, for Valkyrie and Sif, because they're so heavily influenced by... Um, Norse mythology, like they had, they like if you look at North um, battle costumes, yeah. like if they had to like add breast, like indented breastplates, like like they're femi- they're they're like feminized, but like they they're not like, indented breastplates that you see in like comics. If yeah. they had done that, they um the MCU the costumes anyway would have probably get, gotten shown down. But I definitely will say like, yeah, like I, I definitely will say like the like I I think when well, this is a whole different <laughs> conversation, but like. It, I don't think it's talked about enough, like how Wonder Woman is definitely is. still sexualized in her yeah, costumes. Sure. But yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think, no, you're I think the right. real costuming thing that we're missing out here 
is how the hell did Morpheus' glasses just stay on the whole time? Lawrence Fishburne's <laughs> coolness. Why can't I find glasses like that anywhere? Nothing would dare fall off <laughs> of Lawrence Fishburne's really face if he places about. it there. Like he he holds it there. He holds it there by <laughs> swagger That that is a fact. That that's a fact. I that is that is one hundred percent a fact. I will say I didn't kind of touch on it, but that is something like that kind of you guys brought up of like it did set like a trend of like the way people dress for a while. There trench coats became in style, and even like that just even like Trinity dress and everything for matching people dress like that for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Grandma's boy, yes. <laughs> the glasses. God. Sorry, Matt. Sorry. Sorry. Way too. So twenty five <laughs> minutes later, Matt can do Sorry. the final thought. Sorry. Oh no. <laughs> To attempt to wrap this up in a nice, quick fashion that obviously was not going to work. Um, obviously, this is probably one of my favorite movies. I will say, as far as like the editing and sound and that and speak to that lobby moment, my family got, like for the first time, like I guess a surround sound. They wanted to test it out, and we tested it to see how well the sound, to go to the sound editing everything, would work. And so we would shake the entire house through the lobby scene, playing The Matrix. And so we had fun seeing how much we could do that before we basically had something fall off the wall about how many times we watched it so that lobby scene is probably very iconic to me because i've seen it probably like 200 mm-hmm. times we just That's put it on awesome. replay the great three minutes of between the music the editing the the action and everything it's great um but no i do kind of want to go watch the second and third one again and try to remember if maybe they might be better with time i don't know uh, the first one always thing obviously there i think there's a lot of reasons why it's gonna go i know there have been talks of it possibly coming back um, I'm okay with it not coming back. No. Yeah. Why would you do that? No. no. Don't touch back. classics. With the exception of Pet Cemetery. Been, it's been 20 no, years. No. There are some films time. that oh. do not need reboots are, um, no. Yeah. No. And The Matrix is one. No. <laughs> I mean, we, we got whole, John Wick. Be movie. happy with John Wick, people. <laughs> we need a whole movie where the new Neo just decides whether or not he has hands or not. <laughs> That's like the first 40 minutes of the movie. <laughs> I will say to to um to Shannon's point, Carrie Ann Moss has made her career. She's basically said that this is basically she got this role and basically her entire career took off from this. Yeah, this is film. also the only way I remember her name. This is also true. Even when she played in Jessica Jones or all the other ones, I just called yeah, her. Yeah, it's true. Like yep. there's some like there you know there are certain actors you always associate them with the role. Like yeah, she will always be Trinity to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not and I and I use it as exactly. a testament to how. How um, how impressive she was as a, as an actor and, and playing that role. You will always be my Trinity. Yeah, oh, no, she yeah. was amazing. She was yeah, definitely. As much as we talked about Keanu Reeves, she definitely was crucial. To Man, her. none of this would have happened without her. Yeah, and I think too. No. Well, I think too. I actually wonder. Like, is she? I feel like she's one of the first like actual like women in an action movie than in a Western action movie with that type of agency. Mm. You know what? I would say so. Because I'm trying... I I would actually say so. Yeah, no, I... Right? Because, like, I can't think of another action movie heroine that is... I mean, I guess Ripley, but, like, I... 
but like this is but that's like more sci-fi this is like hard action but, but, sci-fi but right? even saying like, that the thing i think what makes her her um, character stands out is because even though she has the romantic link to neo that's not her only that's not her only place as as a character that's not her full exactly identity. like she's still wait like she's like yeah i love you whatever but i still got shit to go and do like i got these things to go and defeat and i have these agents to go and fight like she has her own fights and she has her own iconic moments. Like you all, you mentioned mm-hmm. the lobby, the lobby scene. You know what scene I always remember from the lobby where she does all those flips and, and runs across the wall. Like, yeah, come on. She has her own iconic moments in this in the series. So like, that's why she also stands out too. Uh, everything is not about the man in her life. No, this movie's only about ne- about Neo. Okay, I take There's back no what groups. I said at the beginning of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I have. Take us out. Oh my god. Uh, Ed, thank you so much for coming on the show, Carolyn. Why don't you tell everybody where they can hear you, read you, find you? Okay, my name is Carolyn. You can find me on Twitter at C A R I wait no C A R R I E C N H one two. So that's Carrie C N H twelve on Twitter. Um I'm a freelance writer, film critic, and you can all find me every Saturday night co hosting so here's what um <laughs> every Saturday night co hosting <laughs> Saturday Night Sci-Fi, so that's hashtag Saturday Night Sci-Fi. I also co-host the podcast, so here's what happened. So here's what happened, which is also hosted by the But Why the Podcast Community, and I'm always talking about film, action movies, TV, thirsting, you know, stuff. Um, yeah. So if you enjoyed this and you want to hear us talk about more things on our Patreon, uh. At the $3 level, you get access to exclusive episodes that we record just for our Patreon. So head on over to patreon.com slash butwhythepc if you want to support us a little more. And actually, with as little as a dollar a month, you get access to all of our research notes as well as our episodes at least a day in advance. And you can find us on social media at butwhythepc on everything that is social and or media. And you can find me at omywithrender on Twitter. Adrian? I just want to say that was one of your smoothest <laughs> closes, almost ever. Actually, I really enjoyed that. You better clip um, that one. <laughs> yep, clip it. Insert it. Okay. Yeah, really need to clip that one. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at superreese ninety three s u p e r r u i z ninety three. Matt, Matt, what is reality? <laughs> I have no hands. <laughs>